0: The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Bleeker, and Pocket Cast. However you listen, wherever and whenever you listen, thank you for tuning into the program tonight, and you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter, it is at all Andy Alfred. It is at All Andy Alfred and com slash All Andy Alfred. Midweek matching games have been absolutely terrible. Last night, Bowling Green, chance after chance in the red zone, and we don't capitalize. We only get three points against Miami of Ohio. Three points! Unbelievable! Not bowl eligible this year. But I wasn't expecting us to go to a bowl game anyway. I figured we would be at least competitive against Miami of Ohio. Especially how cold it is here in the Midwest. It is about, but it's going to get hot. For the University of Toledo. Because Matt Candle is a terrible coach. We'll talk about that today. Ohio State. Big win against Maryland. Play Rutgers this week. Another chump game. Getting them set up for Penn State next week. While Michigan gets back onto the field. And battles Little Brother. For the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Lions, the Lions, the Lions. Stafford's done for the season. While the Browns beat up on the Mafia in Cleveland Browns Stadium. Three points out of six for the Jackets. And Don Cherry should have not been fired by Sportsnet. We'll talk about that today and tonight. And whenever you listen to this podcast, because it's time for all Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. Yes, and a shot at a goal. Twenty-four runs in the span of really a shutout. Yummi! Hit to a home run. Go That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo-choo. It's time for All Andy Alfred. And with that, I say oh, I love you guys and welcome in to another edition of All Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me, the Anchor Network. And that is with the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, whether it be on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you listen. Wherever and whenever you listen to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in, and you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred, it is at AllAndyAlfred, as well as on Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. So welcome in, got a lot to get into today, of course. A big Andy rants today because of Don Cherry being let go by Sportsnet, you'll hear his coach, you'll hear the coach's quarter comments for yourself, and you'll hear my take on it, Don Cherry, a big portion of my life, I want to talk about that heavily in the later episode of the podcast, we'll also have the Jackets report for you, as the Jackets get three out of six points this past week, we'll talk about that, also, we'll dive into a little college basketball, Uh, Bowling Green played the LSU Tigers this past week in a game We'll talk about some of the top 25 college basketball as well. And of course, we'll get into the NFL. The Lions falling to the Bears. While the Mafia comes into Cleveland Browns Stadium and first, excuse me, first energy stadium, and walks away with a loss. And we'll talk about that as well. But first and foremost, before we begin, I want to talk about the I want to talk about the Falcons. Last night. It was one of those games where, you know, Miami of Ohio is a rivalry game for Bowling Green because these two institutions have been around for a long time, especially in football. Um, I figured that this game would be competitive for Bowling Green because Miami, you know, with us being off for 13 days straight, everybody fully healthy, everybody ready to go for this game, the weather was in our favor a little bit with the cold weather. I mean, Grant has been great in the run game. I figured we'd be competitive against the Redhawks, and even though Miami is tops in the division in the East, I think that they would be, you know, at least competitive. I mean, it'd be more competitive for Bowling Green to go after them, especially how they were healthy, fully healthy, ready to go, and had thirteen had thirteen days off. Chance after chance, Bowling Green had opportunity after opportunity in the red zone. To start the game off alone, they had a they had a strip fumble, which gave them the ball at the thirty two yard line. A Miami of Ohio. And they went, they had two straight plays, and on fourth down they go for it. The guy gets his fumble and he takes it back for a pick six. Unbelievable. Four plays, they only get one yard out of it. And it was a touchdown for Miami of Ohio. And every opportunity that Miami of Ohio had to get the football, they scored. They absolutely scored. A 79-yard interception return. A field goal. The only points Bowling Green had in the game was in the first quarter alone. And it was a field goal. 26-yard field goal. It was all Red Hawks five consecutive touchdowns in the game for the rest of the game. It was a runaway in the second quarter alone. The over-under was Miami at 18.5. Bowling Green lost by 41 points. This is embarrassing. This game last night was an embarrassment because they had so many opportunities to capitalize on fumbles and interceptions. They left they had two drives in the red zone and they couldn't capitalize on it. They couldn't capitalize. And and Miami was all over us in this game. Absolutely all over us. And this is the first time that Grant Lloyd, in the longest period of time, was held under 100 yards throwing. His QBR rating was horrible. It's ter- terrible. Absolutely terrible. I didn't even want to go into it. It's that low. Bowling Green lose in Oxford 44-3 to last night. Lloyd, 11 for 27, 90 yards passing. He had three picks in the game alone. The run game was there. Dentley, 14 carries for 105 yards, no TDs. Braymore, 16 carries, 50 yards. Lloyd had the ball 13 times. He ran it, he QB run it for 39 yards. Dantley had three catches for 33 yards Sims, two catches, 32 yards. Quentin Morris, four catches, 13 yards. Gabrick, the brother of Blaine Gabrick. Yes, that same Blaine Gabrick. Brian Gabrick this is quarterback for Miami of Ohio. Nine for 15, 255, three touchdown passes, one interception. Bester had 9 carries for 85 yards, 2 TDs in the game for Miami, Ohio. On the receiving end, Walker, 1 catch, 60 yards, 1 touchdown. Homer, 1 catch, 35 yards, 1 touchdown. Quinton Hardy, uh, 1 catch, 5 yards, 1 touchdown. Sorensen, 2 catches, 43 yards, no TDs. This game and this this hurts. This really hurts. Cause we had an opportunity so many times to put points on the board we couldn't do it. Two opportunities to put six points on the board we couldn't capitalize. I am absolutely frustrated with this pro this team. This year. We have two games left in this season. And then we can look back at the season and see how good it was. And I know. It is a rebuild. We have put down a foundation that's, I think, a strong foundation. But last night felt like we took two steps back. We found out like that the, the sand that's around it is starting to fall apart. This one really hurts. It really does. And the fact that this team and the seniors that it's on here Kowalczyk, Kowalski, excuse me, Kowalski, and, all, and Andrew Clare. All these seniors are going to go out with a losing record this year. It's a damn shame. It's an absolute damn shame. And I don't think that we're going to be. I think four and nine is more, more than or three and nine is more likely. Maybe four and eight. We have two games left in the season. One against Ohio at home. And one against Buffalo. And I don't know. This game for me. This game was brutal. Here's the overall stats. Miami had 17 first downs to Bowling Green's 12. On third down. Bowling Green was 5 for 18. Miami, three for nine. On fourth down, Miami was 0 for one. Bowling Green was 0 for four. You can't have that. 275 total yards of offense for the Bowling Green State University Falcons. 90 through the air, 185 on the ground. For Miami of Ohio, 425 total yards. 238 through the air, 167 on the ground. Five penalties, 25 yards for Bowling Green. Two penalties, 15 yards for Miami of Ohio. Three turnovers in the game. All three turnovers for the Bowling Green Falcons through the air through Grant Lloyd. Two, inter- two turnovers in the game for Miami of Ohio. One fumble and one interception. The possession arrow did go to Bowling Green. They they had the football the most at 33 minutes and 52 seconds. Miami of Ohio, 26 minutes and 8 seconds. But again, I say, this game was absolutely garbage for Bowling Green. Absolute garbage. And I thought the shutout to Notre Dame was going to be, I mean, the Notre Dame shutout was going to be bad. This one sucks more, in my opinion, because it's in-conference, This is a game that you could win this game because it was 25 degrees. It was cold. You had, yeah, the star running is what was key. And both teams put up lows. They both averaged low scores. 21 points for Bowling Green in the game. 28 for Miami, Ohio. And they put 44 on you. 44 points. On a team that averages twenty-eight points a game, I'm sorry, but that's pathetic. And I'm just a talking. I mean, I'm a talking head. I, mean, I played some football. I played in the past, but this is pathetic. You can't. We cannot have embarrassment games. We have had so many this season. Kent State being absolutely blown out in the second half. Not even be competitive against Notre Dame. In that game, I knew we were going to lose because Notre Dame's good. The only bright spot so far of this season is the Toledo win. Akron, we knew they were going to be bad. We knew how bad the the first team to play in Morgan State cuz they're an FBS school but being absolutely destroyed by Kansas State being blown out in the second half of the game against Kent State not even be competitive against Notre Dame lose to Central Michigan in a way that just you know it it it's just frustrating And I know I'm not blaming the coaching staff, I'm not blaming the players, it's just the fact that we are a mid-major school, we are a mid-market school, and we don't have the recruits. We absolutely don't. And we have to be better at that. Sure, next season's going to be good, but the amount of talent that we had on the field, is this what the talent, is this what the future looks for Bowling Green When it comes to how coaching is. is. Luffler. I love Luffler. Scott's got a great group of guys there. Great coaching staff and everything like that. But last night. Taking the gamble and going for it four times on fourth down. And not converting. You need to stop when you're at. Especially. I'll say this. Especially when we had the ball at the 30-yard line in Miami Territory on the first possession. We go for it on fourth down because it's a 50-yard field goal. I understand it's a 50-yard field goal. Okay? But at least you take the points. And what happens? The kid throws, Lloyd throws an interception. And the guy takes it back for a 72-yard touchdown return. I'll say it again. If you can't go for it on fourth down, go for the points! And the, to only get three points, I don't know. It's just, it, it, it just boggles my mind. I know Everett FitzHugh was at the game last night, and he probably was just shaking his head. While freezing his butt off. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's it's just embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. But Bowling Green's final home game this upcoming Tuesday, six days from now. Um actually five days from now. So they have to turn this over really quickly and play a an Ohio team that's you know pretty good. That honestly is pretty good. And just got beat in overtime last week. This past week in action Games to Western Michigan. Game's going to be on ESPNU. It was going to go to the deuce if Bowling if, if re won the game against Miami of Ohio. Ohio. 4 and 6 overall, 2 and 8 in conference play. Oh, excuse me, 3 and 3 in conference play, 4 and 6 overall. Bowling Green 3 and 7, 2 and 4 in conference play. They average about 29 points a game, Ohio does. Bowling Green averages now 16.1. They allow 29.7 points a game. Bowling Green averages now 34.8 points a game. I just don't know. I I I just don't know. This is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Rourke is the quarterback for Ohio. He's he has completed 157 passes of 262. He has over 2000 yards throwing. 13 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Dantley for us is the leading rusher at 96 carries for 463 yards, 3 TDs. Rourke is also the leading rusher for Ohio. 126 718 total yards, ten TDs in the game. Cox for Ohio is their leading receiver. He has twenty nine carry catches for four hundred and seventy nine yards. He has one TD so far this season. Looking at the overall stats, again, Bowling Green averages allowed. They allow over four hundred and forty one total yards. Of offense. Ohio League has 432, should be 433 total yards allowed. But Bowling Green averages 322 a game. And Ohio averages 411 a game. Say what you will, it is the final game at Dwight Perry Stadium this season. And I can pass on some savings on to you if you want to go to this game. Go to BGSUFalcons.com for tickets for this game. You go down, hit the promotion code DOLLAR. And you can go to this game and sit in the general admission seats for a dollar. Yes. You can catch a Mid-American Conference game at Doyle El Stadium for just one dollar. Go to the ticket office for this special deal So you go to the ticket office use the code dollar D O L L A R for dollar tickets against Miami against Ohio Bobcats and then after that it is the final game of the season at Buffalo the day after Thanksgiving. Luckily, we had a press conference post game. We do not have the audio for that, unfortunately. Uh, we'll have another edition of All Andy Alfred on Monday. Monday night, we'll have a special edition of All Andy Alfred, getting you pre game set for the Ohio game. We will also have another All Andy Alfred. Fo- excuse me. My apologies. Not another All Andy Alfred on Monday. We'll have. Andy and Money, of course, will preview and recap the weekend going forward. But again, All-Andy Alford next week going to be on either on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday night, more likely going to be Thursday to recap the final game right here at Doyle L. Perry Stadium. As you're listening to All-Andy Elford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast. However, you're listening wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's get into some more action. And a friend, a good friend of the show, had some choice words against the University of Toledo of out of the boosters and everything like that. Is Matt Candle does not care about the University of Toledo, he does not care about the community itself, and. I'm telling you this. Fanship for the university, it was was terrible last night. You had more empty seats than anything else. True, the Rockets came back in the fourth quarter putting up 21 points to tie in the football game. But it was costly errors on NIU's part. And NIU was just dominating this game from start to finish. To the fourth quarter, and then, and then oh Toledo, let's let's turn on the Jets, let's turn it on, let's get better. Absolute joke. Absolute joke. I mean the Rockets led at the beginning of the game, but then consecutive touchdowns by Niu. And then the targeting hit. Taylor. Hitting. Hitting powers. Hard. That is not what you're supposed to do. That is a terrible, that is a un, That is a coachable moment that you're supposed to do and Matt Cannell didn't do it. Okay? How can you have that happen? How? How in God's name does this kid still have a scholarship after that hit? The quarterback goes down. He knows that he made an error. And he gets punished for it. By the University of Toledo player. It's absolutely atrocious. An absolute disgusting matter. Absolutely disgusting matter. And the University of Toledo falls as Richardson kicks a 25-yard field goal with 41 seconds left to go in the game. Makes it 31-28. The Rockets drive down the field. They scored three consecutive touchdowns in that fourth quarter, by the way. Richardson kicks the field goal. So the Rockets get the football back at the 25. They're driving. Peters had a great run before The whole situation that broke down at the end of the game, which you hear Dave talk about. Peters ran from their 42-yard line all the way down to about the NIU 43. So it sets up pretty good. A pass down the middle gets them to the first down marker. Okay? So they set the clock. The element is to clock the football. All you need is a field goal to force overtime. And what does Peters do? Passes it right down the middle again. Short of the first down marker. They get to the line and try to snap it. And ball game's over. Ball game's absolutely over. NIU wins the game 31-28 to over the University of Toledo. In the game it's embarrassing this is this was a game that Toledo at least could have tied it and forced overtime and candle didn't didn't do it it's failing coaching was a failure at this game and it shows you how lackluster the University of Toledo is in this game sure they come back in the fourth quarter with scoring three touchdowns in a row but but, fail, clock management is coachable. And Candle doesn't know how to handle the clock. It happened also in the, second, in the first half at the end of the quarter. Toledo could have taken a chance down the field with time. And what did they do? They let the clock run out. Sure, they were going to get the football to start the second half. But they could have at least put some points on the board, and they couldn't. They, they didn't. They give it off for a run play to see to Jones. He gets three yards. Oh, let's run off the field. Let's run off the field. I I I, I just don't understand. And I'm and I'm a Bowling Green person, and I'm loving watching what's happening in Toledo. Because reality is starting to hit home at the University of Toledo. Peters for Toledo, 26 for 38. He had 300 total yards of passing. Three touchdowns, no interceptions in the game. Seymour, 19 carries for 133 yards, no TDs. Jones had 11 carries for 45 yards, one TD in the game. Mitchell, six catches, 125, two TDs in the game. McKinley. 7 catches, 78 yards, no TDs in the game. For Northern Illinois, it was Bowers, 15 for 26, 193, 1 TD in the game. Uh, Harbson, 32 carries for 158 yards, 1 TD in the game. Childress, the the backup quarterback in the game, 3 for 3, 29 yards. He also carried the ball 5 times for 57 yards, 2 running touchdowns in the game. Uh, Crawford, 3 catches, 46 yards, 1 TD in the game. Richie six catches, 54 yards, no TDs in the game for the for the uh, NIU Huskies in the game. Looking at the overall stats in this game, Toledo had 24 first downs to NIU's 23 first downs. On third down, NIU was 50% for 8 for 16, Toledo 4 for 13 on third down on fourth down, the Rockets were 3 for 5. NIU, 1 for 3. The Rockets had 508 total yards of offense, 300 through the air, 208 on the ground. For NIU in the game, they had 444 total yards of offense, 222 through the air, 222 on the ground. 7 penalties, 60 yards for the Rockets, including that 15-yard targeting penalty. 3 penalties, 24 yards for the NIU Huskies. 2 fumbles in the game for the University of Toledo. No turnovers in the game for NIU. The Rockets failed in the possession turnover. Rocket margin at twenty-seven minutes and sixteen seconds. NIU had thirty-two minutes and forty-four seconds with the football. So the Rockets fall to six four. Still are bowl eligible. They have two games left in their season. So we're already into week tw- week twelve of the football season, of course. But let's go running back and let's talk a little from last week, week eleven of the college football spectrum in the top 25 games. And let's talk a little bit about what we saw last week. Big games, of course, in the top 25. Uh, Florida, a big 56 to nothing win over Vanderbilt. Baylor, a 29-23 win over TCU in triple overtime. Good win there. Baylor comes back in that game. SMU, a winner 59-51 to over Eastern, uh, Eastern Carolina University. Kansas State uh, loses to Texas 27-24. Kansas State was 16th ranked in the country. Virginia Tech beats 19th ranked Wake Forest 36 to 17. Cincinnati a 48 to 3 win over Connecticut. the uh, well, Georgia Bulldogs a 27 to nothing win over the Missouri Tigers. Clemson a big 55 to 10 win on Saturday night over NC State. Notre Dame goes into Duke and beats the Dukies 38 to 7. It was Oklahoma winning against Matt Campbell and the Iowa State uh, Cyclones, 42-41. It was Boise State, a winner, 20-17 in overtime over Wyoming. The big game, of course, on Saturday was they had two undefeated, undefeated teams in college football playing against each other. Four teams undefeated playing against each other. You had Penn State... And Minnesota, we'll get to the Big Ten here in just a second. But the other one, number two-ranked LSU. Going into Tuscaloosa, the battle to Atalavola. And the Alabama Crimson Tide, third-ranked in the country. This was a big game. LSU dominated this game from the start. They were up 33-13 to at halftime in this game. And... Alabama rallies back, scoring 28 points in the second half, but unfortunately, Anna, uh, uh, LSU gets 13 points in the fourth quarter and beats the third-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide, 46 to 41, and improves to nine and zero overall in play, in overall play. Burrows, the former standout at Ohio State. 31 for 39, 393 total yards, 3 TDs in the game. Tua, 21 for 40, 418, four TDs, 1 interception in the game. So LSU, a big win, puts Alabama now behind the 8 ball when it comes to the college football playoff. But let's take a look at the the Big 10 in Week 11 and recap the Big 10 for you right here from Week 11 before we get into the... Ohio State game. Of course, it was Purdue a win 24 22 over Northwestern. Wisconsin, 13th ranked in the country, getting a big win over Iowa 24 22. How about Illinois? This was the big one of the day. Forget Ohio State and forget about, I know Penn State and Minnesota was great. How about Lovey Smith and the Fighting Illini, now bull eligible at 6 and 4 coming back in the game being down in the game 31 to 10 and scoring 27 points in the fourth quarter alone to beat Michigan State 37 to 34 Peters, 22 for 42, 369, three TDs in the game. At halftime, it was 28 to 10. And at the start of the fourth quarter, Michigan State was up 31 to 10 on the Fighting Illini. And a lot of us were thinking, well, you know, they, this one's pretty much over. I think Michigan State, Lovie Smith and his team were ready for this game. And absolutely blew the doors open. Three consecutive touchdowns in the fourth quarter alone. Conklin kicks a field goal. It's 34-30. And with five seconds left to play in the game. A 13-play 75-yard drive that took three minutes to 12 seconds to do. The Illini beat Michigan State. 37 to 34. And Mark D'Antonio is in trouble, folks. D'Antonio is in trouble. But row the effing boat. How about that? Minnesota getting the upset win beats fourth ranked Penn State 31 to 26. And PJ Fleck, I got to give credit to him. That was a good game. That was a very, very good game. I enjoyed it from start to finish. And this kid, Morgan, absolutely dominant. 18 for 20, 339 total yards, 3 TDs in the game. Smith for the Golden Gophers, 18 carries, 51 yards. Bateman for Minnesota, 7 catches, 203 total yards, 1 TD in the game. For Clifford for Penn State, he was 23 for 43, 340 total yards, 1 TD. He had 3 interceptions in the game. And the last one, the last interception he had was the costly one. It gave Minnesota the football and row the boat. Minnesota gets the job done and beats Penn State 31-26. to It was a murder-suicide at the Horseshoe this past Saturday as Ohio State, without Chase Young, blows up the Terps of Maryland 73-14, to routing Maryland. Every time Ohio State had the football, they scored points in the first quarter alone it was tw- at the end of the first quarter it was twenty one to nothing at halftime it was forty two to nothing and then at the end of the third quarter, Maryland did score a touchdown, but it was fifty two to nothing but every time Ohio State touched the football, they either scored three points one time, but it was six all the way. As they beat Maryland 73-14, to which sets up their game against Rutgers this week, which is another suicide game. Fields in the game, 16 for 25, 200 yards, 3 TDs in the game. Tangy, the third, 18 carries for 111 yards. He had no TDs. J.K. Dobbins, 12 carries for 90 yards, 2 TDs in the game. Fields, again, 16 for 25, 200 yards, 3 TDs in the game. They did 3 quarterbacks in the game, Ohio State did. Give some time for the play, of course. Uh, Wilson, 4 catches, 82 yards, 1 TD. K.J. Hill, 4 catches, 56 yards, 1 TD in the game. Olaf, 5 catches, 43 yards, 1 TD in the game. Victor, 3 catches, 36 yards, 1 TD in the game. For Maryland, This is Pigrome, 4 for 8, 42 yards, 1 interception, no TDs in the game. Jackson for Maryland, 4 for 9, 35 yards, 1 TD in the game for them. Uh, Leak had 9 carries for 55 yards. It was pretty much a dominant game from start to finish for Ohio State. They had 41st downs to Maryland's 16. They had 705 total yards of offense, 322 through the air, 383 on the ground. Maryland had a h- total of 139 yards of total offense, 77 on the ground, 60, 77 through the air, 62 on the ground. But penalties for the Buckeyes, they got to clean it up. 13 penalties for 141 yards. Uh, Maryland's sick pelly 42 yards in the game. So a big game, a big win for the Buckeyes. They'll get ready for this week in Week 12 of college football, and we got a big slate of games going forward. We'll get to preview all that, and you'll hear my predictions as well. Of course, last week we had other matching games that took place in Week 11. As Before the debacle last night, Toledo did beat Kent State on Tuesday night. 35 to 33 Western Michigan a winner 35-31 over Ball State and last Wednesday Miami Ohio beat Ohio 24 to 21 which sets them up now to win the division. If you look at the after last night's games it's pretty much set that Toledo won't be playing for the MAC championship. Neither will Bowling Green. It looks like it's going to be Western Michigan battling Miami of Ohio. In the east, Miami, Ohio is in five and one, six and four overall. Buffalo three and two in conference play, five and four overall. Ohio three and three in conference play, four and six overall. Kent State two and three, three and six overall. The Falcons are two and four in conference play, three and seven overall. And Akron is 0 and ten, oh and six in conference play. On the Mac West It is Western Michigan at 5-2, 6-7-4 overall. Central Michigan, 4-2, 6-4 overall. Uh, Ball State, 3-2, 4-5 overall. NIU, 3-3, 4-6 overall. University of Toledo is 6-4 overall, 3-3 in conference play. Eastern Michigan, 5-5 overall, 2-4 in conference play. We have a couple other MAC games going on. One tonight on CBS Sports Network, by the way. Buffalo is at Kent State. 7 o'clock kickoff. Buffalo is favored in that game by 6 points. I'll take the Bulls in that game. And then Saturday, see Central Michigan battling Ball State. 3.30 kickoff on CBS Sports Network. I'll go with the chips in that one. I'll take the chips in that game. So let's preview Week 12. Well, let's take a look at the college football playoff rankings. But before we do anything like that, I want to tell you that you're listening to all ABL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's dive into week 12 of the college football spectrum. So looking at the college football rankings, this is what it looks like. LSU moves up in week 12 to the number one spot in the playoff rankings at 9-0. Ohio State State drops down one they go to number two at nine and zero overall. Clemson is third, a record of ten and zero overall. And in fourth spot goes the Georgia Bulldogs at eight and one overall. On the outside looking in, Alabama five, Oregon six. Both teams eight and one overall. So three of the top teams are in the are undefeated are in the top four of the college football playoff. Three out of the four. Here's why I said that. Oregon is six at eight and one. Utah is seven at eight and one. Row the boat in Minnesota is nine and oh overall. They move up nine spots in the college football playoff rankings, while Penn State falls five spots and now eight and one. Oklahoma ten is eight and one as well. Florida eight and two. They've moved down a spot Auburn falls down the spot at 7-2. The Baylor Bears are now 13th ranked, and they're a perfect 9-0 overall this season. You also have Wisconsin at 7-2. Michigan is at 15th at 7-2 as well. Notre Dame 7-2 as well. They're at 16th. The Bearcats of Cincinnati are 8-1. Memphis moves up three spots with Cincinnati to 18th at 8-1. Texas not ranked last week. are now 6-3 19th ranked in the playoffs. Iowa falls down two spots to 20th. Boise State 21st. Oklahoma State 22nd. The Navy moves up to 23rd at 7-1. Kansas State 6-3 dropping eight spots. And App State goes to 8-1 overall. So here is the schedule for week 12 of the college football season. It goes something like this. The Alabama Crimson Tide, 5th ranked overall in the college football playoff. Head to Mississippi State to battle them. I will take the Roll Tide. Bama gets the job done. 11th ranked Florida heads to Missouri to take on the Tigers. I will take the Gators in that one. Kansas heads to 22nd ranked Oklahoma State. I'll take Oklahoma State in that one. Big game in South Bend, Indiana as the 23rd ranked Navy midshipman at two thirty. Battle the 16th ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I will take the Irish in that game. Third rate, third ranked Clemson, 10 and 0, perfect overall. What goes in Wake Forest. Clemson, a favorite in the game, 34 and a half points in the game. I will take Clemson in that game. Fourth ranked Georgia goes into 12th ranked Auburn. 3:30 kickoff for that one. I'm gonna take Auburn in that game. I think Auburn will be the better team in that one. With the if it was at a neutral site, I would have taken. Georgia in the game, but I I think with it being at Auburn, I'll take the Tigers of Auburn. 18th-ranked Memphis goes down to Houston to battle the Cougars. I'll take Memphis in that one. 19th-ranked Texas heads into Matt Candle in battle the Iowa State Cyclones. I will take the Hook'em Horns, and I will take Texas in that game. 24th-ranked Kansas State goes home to battle West Virginia. I'll take Kansas State in that game. Number one ranked LSU host, Old Miss. I'll take LSU, plain and simple. They're a very, very good team. 17th ranked Cincinnati battles UCF, 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock kickoff on CBS Sports Network. I'll take the Bearcats in that one. The Saturday night game of the week sees Oklahoma battling Baylor, Seven thirty 30 kickoff. I will take the Baylor Bears in that game. I think Oklahoma's a little overrated. They're favored by 10 points in the game, but I will take the Baylor Bears. In that one. 25th ranked Appalachia State takes on Georgia State. I will take App State in that one. Seventh ranked Utah 8-1 overall. Welcomes in UCLA. UCLA four and five overall. Take Utah in that game. Uh New Mexico battles 21st ranked Boise State at 10:15 on ESPN2. I'll take Boise State in that one. 1030 kick sees Oregon, sixth ranked in the country battling Arizona. I'll take Arizona in that game. Looking at the Big Ten slate. Big games for the Big Ten this week. Of course, it will be UMass traveling to Northwestern. Both teams won and their opposition loss. UMass 1-9. North Ma- Northwestern one and eight. Northwestern is the favorite in the game by 40.5 points. I'll take Northwestern in that game. It's playing simple. Eighth ranked Minnesota goes into Iowa. Big game four o'clock kickoff. Can PJ Fleck continue the momentum? With his Golden Gophers, I think they will, and they'll get the get to ten and zero. I have the Gophers beating the Hawkeyes in that one. Penn State eighth, ninth ranked overall, eight and one in conf- overall. They'll battle the Hoosiers of Indiana. Twelve o'clock kickoff on ABC. I will take Penn State in that game. Wisconsin fourteenth ranked in the country will battle Nebraska at Nebraska. Wisconsin fifteen point favorite in the game. I'll take Wisconsin in the game. So sets up the two local games. And we'll start first and foremost with Ohio State and Rutgers. Ohio State travels to New Jersey to battle the Rutgers, goal, uh, Rutgers Knights. It's all Ohio State. Their favorite 52 points of the game. I'll take Ohio State in the game, which sets up the big new matchup. MSU, Michigan State, and Mark D'Antonio with Brian Lurkey takes on Shane Patterson and Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. And this is a big game in two aspects. One, Michigan has beaten Michigan State one other time so far this season in the the series with Jim Harbaugh. If this game was being played at Michigan State, I give the favorite a little bit to Michigan State in this game. This game is being played in Ann Arbor. Last year, it was played in the what we considered the whirlpool game, where it was just nothing but pouring down rain, and Michigan State won the game thirteen to ten. Give me State in this game. I think D'Antonio has to win this game. Overall, I know Michigan's a thirteen and a half point favorite in this game. But I have a feeling that State's going to be ready for this one. They have to play for their coach's life. And I think Michigan will falter in this game. I think Patterson will have a good game. I think Michigan State gets the job done over Michigan. And keeps Paul Bunyan at East Lansing for this season. So I will take Michigan State to beat Michigan this week in the big game up in Ann Arbor. Next week, a big slate of games, of course, is Ohio State taking on Penn State. That's a noon kickoff. They announced that. and We're only one week away, after that. We're one, two weeks away from Michigan versus Ohio State. Be interesting. It'll be absolutely interesting to see what happens. As you're listening to All Andy Alford today, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, However, you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And all this college football talk now leads us in to the National Football League. Oh, the Lions. Let's talk about the NFL. We'll start we'll start with the Lions first and foremost. And early in this on the last podcast, I took the Lions to beat the Bears because how bad the Bears are this season. And the fact that You know, we didn't know anything about Matthew Stafford and his broken, almost his broken back. He was a game-time decision at this game. So I still took the Lions because I felt that Stafford would continue the streak. He gets pulled from this game, does not play this game. So I said, you know, I still feel like we have a chance because how bad the Bears have been this year. But Mitchell Trubisky got the job done, and Dretzel was the quarterback, the backup quarterback for Matthew Stafford in the game. You know, it, was, it the Lions had the game; they were up six, they were down six, uh, seven to six at halftime, and then the Bears rallied, scoring a total of uh, thirteen points in the third quarter. The Lions had an opportunity to rally in the fourth quarter. They had the football. They had a chance. They were driving down the field. They ran out of time, and they lose to the Bears, 20-13. Dretzel for the Lions, 27 for 46, hundred forty-nine yard, 269 yards, 1 TD, 1 interception in the game. His QBR rating was a 40.4. Dressel was also the leading rusher for the Lions. He had 5 carries for 37 yards. It was uh, uh, McKenzie, 10 carries, 36 yards for the Lions in the game. Marvin Jones Jr., 5 catches, 77 yards, no TDs in the game. Kenny Galladay, 3 catches, 57 yards, 1 TD in the game for the Lions. That was all that the Lions had. They only had 1 TD in the game. TJ Hawkinson. Three catches, forty-seven yards, no TDs in the game for Trubisky. He had he was sixteen for twenty-three, one hundred and seventy-three total yards, three TDs in the game for the Bears quarterback. Uh, Montgomery seventeen carries for sixty yards. It was Robinson the second, six catches, eighty-six yards, was the leading receiver for the Bears. Gabriel four catches, thirty-nine yards, one TD in the game. Cohen four catches, twenty-three yards, one TD in the game. Uh, Broadnecker one catch, eighteen yards. One T D in the game. The overall stats looked like this. The Bears had a total of 13 first downs. The Lions had 21. On third down, the Lions were eight seven for eighteen. The Bears two for twelve. So they were only running at six percent on third down. Uh, the Lions over two on fourth down. The Bears one for one. The Lions had a total of three hundred and fifty-seven toll yards. Of Offense 259 through the air, 98 total yards on the ground. The Bears had 226 total yards of offense, 145 to the air, 81 on the ground. Eight penalties, 76 yards for the Lions, seven penalties, 57 yards for the Bears. The Lions had one turnover in the game. They also led in possession at 31 minutes and 54 seconds. The Bears did not have any turnovers in the game. 26 minutes and 6 seconds is what they had time-wise for the football. So the Lions fall to the Bears 13-20. to Now the question is this, folks. Is Matthew Stafford done for the season? So now you're not going to win the division. Do you sit him for the rest of the season? If you want my honest opinion about that, I think you do. The season is pretty much a wash now. You have lost to each divisional opponent once. The Vikings and the and the Packers are going to win the division. Between the two of them are battling it out for the division. Let them battle it out. You know, you've got two more games, one more, one more game each against each divisional opponent... But for the Lions, this week doesn't get easier because they got the Cowboys. And then they got to go to Washington. And then they've welcomed back the Bears on Thanksgiving Day. So for me, I think it's time to, in my opinion, have Stafford sit for the rest of the season, let him get healthy, so that next year, you know, we can be competitive and be ready. But I, I I just don't see us making the playoffs. I don't see us winning the division. So, what is your take? Send me your answer on Twitter at all Andy Elford. Should Matthew Stafford sit for the rest of the season so he could be ready for the twenty twenty campaign? I to your thoughts on that, right here on all Andy Elford. Did have some positives out of the NFL is that Freddie Kitchens gets to keep his job for another week. The Browns, there is joy in Brownsville today as the Browns beat the Bills last week 19-16. It was a pretty good game. Baker Mayfield threw a, a a, a few touchdowns to the game, two TDs to the game. He had a really good game. Kareem Hunt making his debut with the Browns this week, this past week. And, you know, blending him in with Nick Chubb is actually a really good idea. I like what the offensive scheme they have because you have a dual threat with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt running the football. That's dynamite. If you have them both in the backfield, you can pass one of them off as a tight end or a wide receiver. One of them can be a running back because you'll have a dual threat when it comes to running. But the Browns, a big win. Landry. Getting the points started at 17-yard pass from Mayfield. made it 6-0. The field goal was no good. Josh Allen and Bill's Mafia comes into First Energy Stadium. Gets a touchdown making it 7-6. The field goal unit comes out. Gets a field goal to, with three minutes to go in the first half. It's 9-7 in favor of the Browns. Uh, Mayfield gives up a safety. It's 9-9. and Another field goal for the Browns. Makes it 9-12. Josh Allen then scores another touchdown at 16-12 in favor of the Bills. And then Rashad Higgins with a 7-yard pass to Baker Mayfield makes it 19-16. And then the opportunity for the Bills to tie the football game and misses the field goal. And the Browns stave off a loss, get their third win of the season, beats Bills Mafia and the table crashers 19-16. Looking at the overall box score in the game, Mayfield, 26 for 38, 238, two TDs, no interceptions at in the game. His QBR rating is at 86.3%. Uh, Nick Chubb, good game for him, 20 carries, 116 yards, no TDs in the game. Kareem Hunt, four carries, 30 yards, no TDs in the game. Jarvis Landry, nine catches, 97 yards, one TD in the game. Odell Beckham Jr., five catches, 57 yards No TDs in the game. Kareem Hunt had 7 catches for 44 yards in the game for him. For Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, 22 for 41, 266. No TDs, no interceptions in the game. He ran the football twice, though. He had 6 carries for 28 yards for 2 TDs. Singletary was the leading rusher, though, for the Bills. He had 8 carries for 42 yards in the game. Brown, 5 catches, 77 yards. No TDs in the game. Uh, Cole Beasley, 4 catches, 74 yards. No TDs in the game. Cox, 4 catches, 55 yards, no TDs in the game for the Bills in that one. In the first down matchup, the Browns had 24 first downs to the Bills 24. On third down, the Browns were 4 for 11. The Bills were 5 for 13. On fourth down, the Browns were at 50% for 1 for 2. The Bills 0 for 2 on fourth down. The Browns had 368 total yards of offense. 221 to the air, 147 on the ground. For the Bills, they had 344 total yards of offense, 266 to the air, 84 on the ground. The Browns had four penalties for 70 yards, while the Bills had seven penalties for 40 yards. Both teams did not turn up the football at all, but the Browns led in possession at 31 minutes and 46 seconds. To the the Bills, 28 minutes and 14 seconds. To the Browns, a big 19-16 win over the Bills which sets up week 11 going forward. But let's recap week 10 of the of the NFL season for you right here on the all andy Alpha Network. So week 10 of the NFL slate looked like this. It started off on Thursday night as the Raiders of in Philip Rivers and the Los Angeles Chargers and the Raiders getting a big win in the Black Hole in Oakland on the last primetime game of the of the year. Ever to be played in Oakland, California with a 26-24 win over the Chargers. Lamar Jackson torching the team torching up the Bengals on Sunday afternoon in Cincinnati. Him himself alone. Absolutely torching the Bengals. As he threw for three touchdowns. Near perfect, 15 for 17, 233 yards, three TDs. He also carried the ball seven times for 65 yards, one TD yet, four TDs by himself by passing and throwing, by passing and running. My apologies, as the Ravens beat up on the Bungles 49 13. Minnesota headed into Dallas for a big 28 24 win over Du Bois. On Sunday night football, it was the Pittsburgh Steelers getting a 17-12 win over Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams. Green Bay a 24-16 win over the Carolina Panthers. Miami getting another win, beating the Colts 16-12. Tampa Bay a 30-27 win over the Arizona Cardinals, the battle of the the terrible teams. The New York football giants, the G-Men, headed home to play basically almost a home game, but it was the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets home game as the Jets get a 34-27 win over the German. It was Atlanta a winner 26-9 over New Orleans in the big upset of the week uh, giving Atlanta their second win of the season. Matt Ryan in the game for him. He was 20-35, for 35, 182 yards, 2 TDs, one interception. Drew Brees, 32 for 45 for 267 yards in his comeback against Atlanta. Uh, Tennessee was a winner, 35 to 32 over Kansas City. The, the Monday night game, a great game. Overtime, it was needed as Seattle beats San Francisco by a score of 27 to 24. So, which now sets up Week 11 of the NFL slate, and it all starts tonight at First Energy Stadium. In Cleveland, Ohio, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, and Freddie Kitchens, and the Cleveland Browns host Mike Tomlin, Maddox, Juju Smith-Schuster, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Eight twenty kickoff. The lot, the excuse me, the Lions, but the Browns are favored in the game by three points. This is a big game for the Browns, in my opinion. You set your standards to the Steelers in this division. If you could beat Pittsburgh, then you are a good team this year. And that's what I think this team needs. A win against Pittsburgh will tell them they're on the right foot. They've already beaten Baltimore once. I like the Browns' chances against the Steelers. I will take the Browns tonight, beating the Steelers at home at First Energy Stadium on Thursday Night Football. The rest of the slate looks like this. Jacksonville travels to Indianapolis to battle the Colts. I will take the Colts in that one. Miami hosts the Buffalo, B- Buffalo Bills. 1 o'clock kickoff. The Bills are favored by 6 points in the game. I will take the Bills in that one. Denver travels into Minnesota to take on the Skull! Skull! Minnesota Vikings. As they will battle each other out. 1 o'clock kickoff. I will take the Vikings in that one. Tampa Bay. Host New Orleans one o'clock kickoff. I will take New Orleans in that one. The JETS 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 head down the road. They'll take on the Washington Football Club. One o'clock kickoff for that one. I will take the Jets in that game, even though Washington is a point and a half favorite in that game. Atlanta heads into Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers. I will take Carolina in that game. Five and four Carolina will go to six and four in that for in that part. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens welcome in the non-playing J.J. Wood Houston Texans. I will take Baltimore in that game. I think Lamar Jackson is going to be a very good game for him. Arizona travels to Levi Stadium to battle the San Francisco 49ers on a short week for the Niners. I will take San Francisco in that game. Oakland hosts the Bungles. 425 kickoff on CBS. I will take Oakland in that game. New England travels into Philadelphia to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. New England 3.5 point favorite in the game. I will take New England in that game. Uh, The Sunday night game sees the Bears. The Bears taking on the Rams. 820 kickoff on NBC. I will take the Bears in this one. I think the Bears will be an interesting game even though the the Rams are six-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. I will take the Bears in that one. So it sets up this 1 o'clock kickoff in on Fox as the Detroit Lions welcome in Dak Prescott, Zeke, and crew, and Amari Cooper, and Somanich Moore, and Jason Garrett, and Jerry Jones, and the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys favored by three in this game. I'll take the boys. I think Dallas will be a better Dallas is a better team. I think Detroit's not there. And if Stafford does not play, which it sounds like it he's not gonna play, I will take. I'll take Dallas in the game. Monday night, by the way, Kansas City is in is playing the Chargers in Mexico City. I will take the Chiefs in that game. Patrick Mahomes back on the field for that one so you're listening to all andy Alford tonight right here on the anchor network whether it be on itunes spotify google podcast Cast, however you're listening wherever and whenever you're listening thank you for tuning in and now it's time to hit the ice and now it is officially time for the jackets report it's time to fire the cannon and it's time to put on your jackets It's time for the Jackets Report right here on All Andy Alfred. So it's time for the Jackets Report right now. And the Jackets coming off of a week where they've got only three points out of the possible eight this past week. The Jackets having a hard time against Vegas last Tuesday night. But of course, we did our podcast last Thursday. As they welcome they were on the road to Arizona, the battle of the coyotes in the desert. And it was the Jackets prevailing over the Coyotes by a score of three to two. Gustav Nyquist getting his third of the season from Seth Jones and Oliver Bjorkstrand. 14 seconds into the first period. It was 1-0 jackets. Then at the 11:24 mark of the first period. Uh Solberg, Corey Soderbergh, his fifth of the season from Lewinsky, his first assist it ties the game after twenty minutes of play at one apiece. If he be run, uh, Church run, his third excuse me, his third of the season, taking it a two-one Arizona lead at the twelve oh four mark of the second period for the newcomer, the fresh start. Benstrom, his first professional NHL goal. From Atkinson and Nyquist on the power play, tying the game at two apiece at the 17:36 mark of the second period, and then in the third period, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Bjorki himself, gets his fourth of the season from Dubois and Nyquist on a wrist shot at the 10:12 mark of the third period, and the Jackets stave off a late rush by the by the Coyotes to get a 3-2 win in the desert over Phil Kessel. And the Arizona Coyotes Bjorkstrand, the number one star, uh, Church run his sec was the number two star, and Jonas Corpusalo, the number three star. Corpusalo, in the game stopping t- thirty of uh, thirty two, his save percentage of point nine three eight for the Coyotes in the game. It was it was Kupner stopping thirty of thirty three, his save percentage of a point nine oh nine. In the game, the overall stats looked like this: the Jackets had thirty three shots on goal to. Arizona's 32. Both teams were even at the faceoff at 50%. The Jackets 1 for 4 on the power play. Arizona 0 for 3. The Jackets had 8 minutes in penalties. The Coyotes had 10 minutes of penalties. The Jackets out hitting the Coyotes in the game 24 to 20. 15 blocks to 10 blocks in favor of the Jackets. The Jackets getting a big win. They then headed in to Colorado to battle on the Avalanche. And the Jackets somewhat started off on a good note. They. And Benstrom continued his point streak. He gets his second of the season from Jones and Nyquist on the power play. Four minutes and 55 seconds into the first period. As it was 1-0 Jackets in front of the Avalanche before Girard from Lefty And Jost on the power play ties the game at one apiece before Zach Attack. Zach Korinsky getting his fourth of the season from Cam Atkinson and Nick Foligno. And it was 2-1 CBJ. And that's all the scoring the Jackets had. Unfortunately, the Avalanche scored two in the second period from Mark Markar, his third and fourth of the season, tying, breaking the lead at three to two. Then Nassim Kadri gets the slap shot beating the goaltender Jonas Corpusalo, four two in favor of Colorado, and that was the final. Corpusalo stopping thirty two, a thirty six in the game, his save percentage of a point eight. 8 9 for the avalanche of the game it was for Koss, stopping 39 of 41 his save percentage of a point 941 the three stars of the game were kale mark uh pavel volkos the goaltender and nassim kadri the number three star the jackets out shooting the avalanche in the game 41 to 36 the avs leading in the faceoff department 45 55% to 45% both teams won for on the power play. The Avs won for two on the power play. The Jackets won for four. Jackets had 17 minutes in police to Colorado's eight. The Jackets out hitting the Avalanche in the game 20 to 15. They also blocked, out blocked them 16 to 14 in the game. So the Jackets fall in the Pepsi Center. Then they traveled across the country back to Montreal on Tuesday night. The Jackets battling it out in Rob, Robertson. Getting his first professional NHL goal, beating Carey Price. It was one nothing Jackets 1646 in the first period from Benstrom and Warinsky, making it one nothing Jackets. Nobody scored in the second. In the third, Brendan Gallagher his eighth of the season from Vent Menti and Shea Weber, tying the game at one apiece. Three minutes and twenty seconds, seven seconds into the third period, before Zach attacked himself. Zach Warinsky getting his fifth of the season. Taking the lead for the Jackets 2 1 at the 18 07 mark of the third period. And we I was thinking the Jackets have an opportunity to get the big win in Montreal. Didn't turn out that way. What Carey Price pulled, the Jackets give up the goal from Thomas Tatar, his sixth of the season from Suzuki and uh, Dolot, his 6th of the season assist, tying the game at 2. Tatar, his 6th of the season at the 19-19 mark of the third period. And it was tied at 2. We go to the overtime. We go to the shootout. And it was Giroux getting a backhanded goal, beating Elvis Merlinkis his start of the game and Bjorkstrand had the opportunity to win. He was blocked by Carey Price, and the Jackets fall and get a point, but they fall to the Canadiens by a score of 3-2. Morinzik's stopping 30-32, his save percentage of a point nine three eight Carey Price getting the win, he stopped 33-35, his save percentage of a 0. .935. Carey Price was the number one star, Jonathan Drouette the number two star, and Zach Wierinski was the number three star. The Jackets out shooting the Canadiens in the game 35-32, the Canadians led in the face-off dot, 54 percent to 45 percent. Both teams over on the power play. The Canadians had six minutes in penalties. Columbus four minutes in penalties. The Columbus Blue Jackets had 28 hits to the Canadians 21 hits. They also had 23 blocks on shots to 10 for the Canadians in the game. So the Jackets fall to the Canadians on Tuesday. They are out on the second day off. They'll welcome in the St. Louis Blues on Friday night for Hockey Fights Cancer Night. And that sets up a three-game homestand for the Jackets. They'll have St. Louis this upcoming Friday. They'll have a day off Saturday and Sunday before prepping for Monday's game against Montreal. And then they welcome into the Detroit Red Wings before hitting the road to play the Winnipeg Jets Saturday night in MTS Center before Thanksgiving holiday where they have three home games and one road game. Of course, the big home game, the 29th, of November as they welcome in Pittsburgh and without Sidney Crosby now we're out for six weeks and we'll get to the NHL news and notes here in just a second but they have Ottawa, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and then they go to the Islanders. But of course we take it week by week: Montreal, Detroit, and Winnipeg, and St. Louis tomorrow night. St. Louis tomorrow night, Montreal, Detroit, and Winnipeg next week for the Jackets. The Jackets are six, eight, and four overall. St. Louis is twelve, three, and four overall this season. Looking at some news and notes to pass along to you around the NHL. Like I said, Sidney Crosby, at least out six weeks after a core muscle repair. Uh, He will have surgery to repair that muscle today, on this Thursday. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, Let's see, other news and notes to pass along as well to here Roberto Luongo was named a special advisor to the general manager for the Florida Panthers. That's a big news note for you guys there. Uh, Vladimir Skolvov will be out 4-6 to six weeks week the Buffalo Sabres for a lower body injury. Looking at some scores from around the NHL last night on the docket besides the Jackets game on Tuesday, last night on the ice on Wednesday the 13th, it was the Islanders a big 5-4 four, four win over the Leafs. It was Vegas falling to the Chicago Blackhawks by a score of 5-3. In a shootout, the Washington Capitals beat the Philadelphia Flyers 2-1. Ottawa 4-2 win over the New Jersey Devils. And the late game saw the Dallas Stars uh, winner 3-1 over the Calgary Flames. Tonight on the docket, Winnipeg is in Florida to take on the Panthers. It will also be the Carolina Hurricanes taking on the Buffalo Sabers. The Rangers are in Tampa to battle the Lightning Colorado is in Edmonton to battle the Oilers. The Coyotes are in Minnesota to battle the Wild. The Canucks are at home to face the Dallas Stars. Detroit, the Red Wings head into L.A. to battle the Kings. And the Ducks are hosting the San Jose Sharks. Looking at the standings going into tonight's play, this is what it looks like. So looking at the standings, this is what it looks like going into tonight's play. We're looking at the divisional race. We're not looking at the wild card just yet. In the Atlantic in the Atlantic Division for the NHL, the Boston Bruins are on top at 11-3 and 4 with 26 points. Montreal 10-5 and 3 with 23 points. The Florida Panthers are 9-4 and 5 with 23 points. Toronto in fourth place at 9-7 and 4 with 22 points. Buffalo 9-6 and 2 with 20 points. Tampa Bay is 8-5 and 2 with 18 points. The Ottawa Senators 7-10 and 1 with 15 points. And the Detroit Red Wings, 7-12-1 with 15 points. In the Metropolitan Division, the leader is the Washington Capitals at 14-2-4 with 32 points. The New York Islanders are 13-3-1 with 27 points. The Philadelphia Flyers are 10-5-3 with 23 points. Pittsburgh, 10-6-2 with 22 points. The Carolina Hurricanes are 10-7-1 with 21 points. The Rangers, 8, 6, and 2, with 18 points. The Columbus Blue Jackets, like I mentioned, are 6, 8, and 4, with 16 points overall in seventh position. And the New Jersey Devils, 5, 8, and 4, with 14 points. In the Western Conference, St. Louis is 12, 3, and 4, with 28 points. Colorado, 11, 5, and 2, with 24 points. Nashville, 9, 6, and 3, with 21 points. It is Winnipeg at 10, 8, and 1, with 21 points. Dallas, 9, 8, and 2 with 20 points. The Chicago Blackhawks are 7, 7, and 4 with 18 points. And the Minnesota are 6, 11, and 1 with 13 points. The Pacific Division looks like this. Edmonton, 12, 6, and 2 with 26 points. Arizona, 11, 6, and 2 with 24 points. The Vancouver Canucks are 10, 6, and 3 with 23 points. Calgary, 10, 8, and 3 with 23 points. Vegas is 9, 8, and 3 with 21 points. Anaheim in 6th spot at 9, 8, and 2 with 20 points. San Jose, 7th. 8, 10, and 1 with 17 points. And f- rounding it out is the LA Kings at 6, 11, and 1 with 13 points. So the Jackets playing St. Louis tomorrow night at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard. 7 o'clock puck drop for that one this this upcoming Friday night at Nationwide Arena. As you're listening to all the Elfer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in and let's continue to talk on the ice and let's talk a little Toledo Walleye hockey and a little Cycl- Cincinnati Cyclone hockey as well. So looking at the ECHO, which is the AA Premier League of the NHL, and looking at our two teams that we focus in on right here on the All Andy Alpha ne- Network, we start first and foremost with the team out of the South, out of out of the North Division, of course, in the Western Conference, and that is in the in the ECHL. And we'll start first and foremost with the Cincinnati Cyclones. The Cyclones seven four and one overall. They welcomed in the Brampton Beast out of the Eastern Conference, and Brampton blanking the Cyclones on Friday the the 8th of November by a score of 3 to nothing, Brampton in the game, Veritoli hitting his first of the season. It was also, in the first period, it was one nothing in favor of Brampton. And then Brampton scoring two goals in the third period on the power play. Uh, McCann, his third of the season, and Leaf, his second of the season, making it 3 nothing Brampton. And that was the final pass Friday night on the 8th. By a score of 3-0 over the Cyclones. The Cyclones out shooting Brampton in the game 23-19. Brampton 2 for 5 of the power play. Cincinnati over 2. Romeo, the loss. He stopped 16 of 19 in the game. Uh, DeCord, a perfect game, stopping all 23 shots he faced this past Friday night. The Walleye were also on the ice. They took on the on the Indy Fuel at Indiana Farmers Coliseum in Indianapolis, Indiana. As the wall fell to the fuel by a score of four to two. It was Indianapolis getting the early start, jumping out to a three-nothing lead in the first period. Watson his sixth, Sullivan his first, and Korinsky his fourth, making it three-nothing Indianapolis after 20 minutes of play. They continue the scoring with not getting his second of the season, making it four to one, four to nothing in favor of the fuel before Josh Kestner getting his second of the season for Spezia and Winchrist. And it was four one in favor of Toledo Speiser then getting his fourth of the season from Kestner and Wing and making it four to two. And that was all the scoring that was taking place. As Toledo falls to the fuel by a score of four to two. Toledo out shooting Indianapolis in the game thirty-four to thirty-one. Toledo over two on the power play. Indianapolis over five. It was Pat Nagel stopping twenty-seven of thirty-one. Williams win, he stopped thirty-two of thirty-four in the game. This past Friday night. So the walleye fall in Indianapolis. And the Cyclones fell to Brampton at home. So then that the next night Cincinnati traveled to Indianapolis to battle the fuel at the Coliseum. And Indianapolis continued their winning ways as they beat the Cyclones by a score of 4-1. to one. It was Watson his 7th of the season making it one nothing in favor of Indianapolis in the second period. No scoring took place actually in the first period. Uh, Schultz getting his first for the fuel making it 2-0 in favor of Indianapolis before Schultz from Cincinnati, Justin Schultz, his 6th of the season from Justin Vi making it 2-1 in favor of the of the of the fuel and then it was all fuel in the third period as Elmar his 4th of the season and McIntyre his 3rd making it 4-1 Indianapolis and that was the final Indianapolis outshooting the Cyclones in the game 36 to 27. Indy over 2 on the power play. The Cyclones 0 for 1. Romeo stopping 32 of 35. Marchant stopping 26 of 27 in the game. So then Brampton, after leaving Cincinnati, headed up I-75 to battle the Toledo Walleye. And the Walleye put a thumping on the Beast in the home-and-home that they faced against them this past weekend. The Walleye putting 4 goals in the 2nd and in the 3rd period. It all started with Josh Kessner getting his third in the first period, making it 1-0 in favor of the Fish, before Broder uh, hallchuk getting his first of the season for Brampton, making it 1-1 after 20 minutes of play, and then the Fish started going. Uh, Gurinchiks Grin- from Vell, his sixth of the season. Buzio, his fourth. Spezia, his fifth. Uh, Del Ostos his first. And then M- Mike Moffitt, his first, making it all six to one in favor of the Fish, going into the th- midway point of the third period before Miller getting his second of the season from Bradford, making it six two in favor of the Fish, and then Vella, Moffitt, and Kotick, all scoring for the Fish. Brampton's goaltender, Decor, was chased out of the game. He stopped fourteen of twenty three, before they brought in Dubuque, stopping three of three, as the like. Beat up on the beast nine to two. Brampton did outshoot the Walleye in the game twenty nine to twenty six. Brampton zero for five in the power play, the Walleye two for seven on the power play. Nagel stopping twenty seven of twenty nine in the game this past Saturday night and on Sunday, on the tenth of November, of course the Walleye headed into Brampton to for a home continuation of the home and home, and Brampton getting the better of the fish. By a score of 4-2. to Brampton's getting the goal scoring out by Verlatali, His third of the season from Sparks and Bjork. Before Josh Kessner getting his fourth of the season from Anamini and Olaski, Making it 1-1 after 20 minutes of play. Hodderchuk getting his second from Bradford and Malcon, Making it 2-1 in favor of the beast. Then Levens on a, by himself, unassisted. Making it 3-1 in favor of the beast. Before Zach Phillips' his second of the season from Kessner and Hensick on the power play. Making it 3-2 in favor of the Beast, but Brampton getting the empty net power play goal from Peter Grave, his second of the season from Sparks and Merlett, and it was Brampton the winner, 4-2, with the Fish at CCA Center in Brampton, Ontario, Canada. Toledo outshot Brampton in the game, 30 to 29. Toledo one for seven on the power play, Brampton one for five. Uh, it was Agostini's in goal for the Fish. He stopped 25 of 28 in the game. It was DeBrew stopping 28 of 30 in the game. He picked up the win. So the Walleye fall. They get at least uh, two points out of the possible six from the weekend. The Cyclones headed into Kalamazoo the next night after battling Indianapolis to take on the K-Wings. And the Cyclones getting a big win by a score of 3-2, to two, salvaging a win over the weekend. It was Johnson, his second for Flora and Dorbrook, And then... Aglee, his first of the season from Justin Vive and Justin, Sh- Justin Schultz on the power play, making it 2-0 in favor of the Clones. Dylan Sadaway from Horth and Lapini on the power play, making it 2-1 in favor of Kalamazoo. Then Kalamazoo tying it up in the second period of the 13-02 mark of the second period from Liner liner from Sadaway and Fry, making it 2-2 in favor of Kalamazoo. And then in the third, it would Edwin from Schultz and Vale on the power play, Beating goaltender Hildebrand, as it was the Cyclones getting a 3 2 win over the K Wings at K Wings Event Center in Kalamazoo, Michigan. The Cyclones out shooting the Wings in the game 29 24. Cincinnati 2 for 10 on the power play. Kalamazoo 1 for 5 on the power play. It was Lucoman the win stopping 22 of 24. Hildebrand stopping 26 of 29 in the game. So the Cyclones getting a win. And ending the weekend on a strong note, they did play on Tuesday night at Heritage Bank Center, formerly U.S. Bank Arena, in Cincinnati, Ohio. The Cyclones getting a big win over the Allen Americans by a score of four to two. It was Justin Vive getting his fourth of the season from Ben Johnson and Mitchell making it one nothing in front of for Cincinnati before Brian Pollock his fifth of the season for Gagne and Brenton making it one one. Tied after 20 minutes of play. Justin Vibe his 5th of the season from Bisson and Goslin, making it 2-1 in favor of Cincinnati for Mitchell, getting his 4th of the season from DeBrinket and Milan on the power play, making it 3-1 Cincinnati. Allen then getting a goal from Astruck from Gagne and Britton, making it 3-2 in favor of the Cyclones before Justin Schultz on an empty net, getting his 7th of the season from DeBrinket and Lejean. Romeo gets the win. He stopped 23 of 25 as the Cyclones beat the Allen Americans 4 2. Uh, Zalanco for the Allen Americans, stopping 26 of 29 in the game for the Cyclones. Uh, So that was the recap for you guys. Uh, Cincinnati playing tonight, 735 puck drop at Heritage Bank Arena in Cincinnati, Ohio. They'll play another game against the Allen Americans. Uh, the Walleye will head north of the border to battle out for a rematch of the Kelly Cup final this upcoming weekend as they take on the Newfoundland Growlers Friday night, 7 o'clock uh, Northern um, Nova Scotia time. will be 5 o'clock our time. The Cyclones will battle it out this past weekend. They will battle again. On, if I'm not mistaken here, yes, on Saturday at Heritage Bank Center as they welcome in the Fort Wake Comets, 735 puck drop. The Fish are in Newfoundland Friday and Saturday. Sunday sees sees both teams off. They will return back onto the ice on Tuesday. Cincinnati will, as they go to Wheeling for a 1045 puck drop in Wheeling, West Virginia, before they head to Kalamazoo next Wednesday night. Against the K Wings. The Fish don't return home again until the 22nd of February. They won't get back onto the ice. They'll take on the Fort Wayne Comets in Fort Wayne. 805 puck draft for that one. Cincinnati goes back home to battle the K Wings. So looking at the standings going into Today's play, it looks like this in the ECHL Central Division. My apologies, not the North, but the old North, but now in the Central Division in the Western Conference. Toledo's on top of the division at 7-3-1 with 15 points. Fort Wayne, 7-4-1 with 15 points. Cincinnati, 7-4-1 with 15 points. So it's a dogfight right now for the top spot. 10 game, ten or 11 or 12 games into the season. India, 6-4-0 oh, with 12 points. Wheeling, 5-4-1 with 11 points. And Kalamazoo, 4-3-2 with with 10 points overall. So a dog fight so far in that division. Probably one of the best divisions in the ECHL, in my opinion. That Central Division, all the teams are competitive when it comes. This is time of year. As you're listening and listening to all Andy for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And let's talk a little college football, college basketball, my apologies, before we get into my big Andy Rance tonight so looking at some of the college basketball games of course uh, the big one last Friday night as as Bowling Green took on LSU at LSU and BG held strong against the Tigers of LSU losing to the 22nd ranked team in the country 88-79 to 79 in the game looking at some of the box scores for this one uh, Bowling Green in their game, it was it was uh, uh, Dylan Fry, five for sixteen from field goal range, two for nine for three point range. He had a total of fifteen points. Turner twenty six points in the game. He was four for seven from three point range, ten for nineteen from field goal range. It was Fields with seventeen points. Stop. He had four for ten from field goal range, four for seven from beyond the arc. The uh, bench itself in total had seventy nine points. The team in total at 79 points. Uh, on the bench, it was the leading one. It was Diggs with 9 points. He was 3-for-11 for field goal range, 3-for-7 for 3-point for range. Uh, LSU a big win. 88-79 to 79 over the Bowling Green State University Falcons. The Falcons did get the big win over uh, T- uh, Tiffin earlier in the week to kick off the season. The big news, of course, was the shocker on Monday night, not Monday night, but Tuesday night as it was Evansville shocking number 1 ranked Kentucky by a score of 67 to 64. Evansville and and they played in Rump Arena. 70 67-64 was in favor of Evansville. Uh Sam Kulif scored 17 points including two three throws with 6.8 seconds left to go to beat the number 1 ranked team in the country 67-64. K.J. Kelly, 18 points, 4 for 8 from field goal range, 8 for 8 from the three-throw line. Uh, for Kentucky, it was Quintley 16 points, 5 for 12, 5 for 5 from the field goal range. So a big win for Evansville, beating John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, last night on the court, of course, the big one, Ohio State, 16th ranked in the country, upsetting 10th ranked Villanova by a score of 76-51 to 51 at... Value City Arena. Uh, Louisville, fourth ranked in the country, 91 to 62 win over Indiana State University. Texas Tech beating Hubbard 103 to 74. LSU falling to VCU by a score of 84 to 82. Looking at some of the mid-American conference games in in the schedule. Ohio beat Iona 81 to 72. Miami of Ohio was a winner, 84 to 80 over uh over PFW, it was uh, Illinois of Chicago, 48, Ball State, 67. Tonight on the docket, it will be Eastern Michigan welcoming in uh, Marilyn DeBrinket in the Jamaica Classic at Montego Bay Campus in the, as a campus game. So Bowling Green has the Paradise Jam at home. They'll take on Fairfield, 11 a.m. tip-off for that one Friday morning. Western Michigan goes down to Ole Miss. Akron has North Carolina Central University and NIU welcomes in CSU. So it'll be interesting to see how the college basketball playoffs, how the college basketball season goes along. We'll have that for you. We we'll dive more into that once the football, college football season is done. And we'll dive more into the NHL as well, too. As you're listening to all In of need offer tonight, right here. On the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And it's now time for Andy Rance. Talking to a veteran, I said, I'm not going to run the poppy thing anymore because what's the sense? I live in Mississauga. Nobody wears, uh, uh, very few people wear uh, a poppy. Downtown Toronto, forget it, downtown Toronto, nobody wears a poppy. And I'm not going to, he says, wait a minute, how about running it for the people that buy them? Now you go to the small cities and you know you, you know those the roads on roads you people love you you they come here whatever it is you love our way of life you love our milk and honey at least you could pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that these guys pay for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada these guys paid the uh, the biggest price anyhow I'm going to run it again for you great people and good Canadians that bought a poppy I'm still going to run it Anyhow. So you just heard Don Cherry. He is the former coach of the Boston Bruins and the Colorado Eagles. Not Colorado Eagles, but the Colorado uh, Rockies that were a part of the NHL. He has been the main stage of Hockey Night in Canada. And for me, he is Mr. Hockey in my uh, my generation. I never grew up with, with Gordie Howe. I know Gordie Howe is Mr. Hockey. And I agree with him. But Don Cherry is one of the institutions. When it comes to the, the game of ice hockey. Um, everybody watches him on Saturday night. To hear his opinion on the game. And what he is seeing. Seeing what's happening. And uh, this comment that he made this past Saturday night. Has cost him severely. Unfortunately. Uh On Monday. Sportsnet Canada fired Don Cherry as coach from Coach's Corner and all of CBC and Hockey Night in Canada due to his comments that were quote-unquote racially discriminative towards immigrants and towards, towards, towards people, the people of Canada. I'm... I'm hesitant to what I'm. I, I want to say. And I am a full supporter of Don Cherry. I love Don. Don is a great guy. Um, he is one of the people in my life that I would love to meet in person. I had the. I wanted to have the opportunity a few years ago when they had the Winter Classic in Ann Arbor between Toronto and Detroit, but I never got the opportunity to go up to that. I wish I would have. On to meet him. Um, this comment. Comes on the heels of the couple days before Remembrance Day in Canada, or in here in the United States, Veterans Day, the Armistice Day of World War One. And to me, Don's comments were duly noted. People don't take credit for their way of life when it comes to veterans and the making the ultimate sacrifice. And people need to understand, you know, that freedom isn't free without the people that defend it and to honor it. That's why I give so much credit. That's why I say I love you guys. Because not only do I love each and every one of you listeners right here on All Andy Elford. is that I love each and every person that I meet. Because they have brought joy and happiness to my life. And I especially love it because of the veterans. There's a lot of veterans that listen to this podcast. There's a lot of people in the military that listen to this podcast as well. And for me I can't do what I do without them. They mean the world to me. Veterans and and military people defend our freedoms from from people that want to do harm to us. And they pay the ultimate sacrifice. When it comes to, when it comes to free, when it comes to our freedom, and the same way within Canada as well. True, it is a, it is a different way of life up there than it is here in the United States. But people feel should feel some sense of freedom and some uh, some class when it comes to treating veterans. We do that here in the United States now better than anything else. We're getting better with the VA. We're getting better with treatment, treatment for our veterans. And, you know, some of it's still a work in progress. I admit that. But to me, Don's comments of saying you people is absolutely wrong. I mean, it's not wrong, but how people consider it is absolutely wrong grouping it as immigrants that come into the country of Canada and not giving the respect that the Canadian that Canadians have true there are a lot of illegal immigrants that do come into Canada because they seek solitude and solitary uh like sovereignty and you know they want the freedom they don't want to be in the country that they were in because they feel threatened or they feel like they're not going to survive in the world without it. Um, to me, it is key to honor the veterans and and to honor their respect. That's why we have Veterans Day. That's why we have Memorial Day. That's why we have so many days because they made the ultimate sacrifice. And in Canada, a poppy represents represents the military and the way of life. And... Don is what I consider the Gary Sinise of Canada. He does a lot for the veterans. He does a lot for, a lot for, the community as a whole. And to have him fired on Veterans Day was absolutely atrocious. And I'm gonna just say it, and I I I know I'm gonna criticize for it, but people take comments. People take comments way out of line. You know, And they take things way out of proportion. And I absolutely hate it. My generation and the generation now is a bunch of soft people. We cannot let a comment or an action go without wanting to be, Oh, let's fire this person. Oh, let's get him off the air and let's do this and let's do that to rally against this guy. All he's doing is standing up for the veterans. That made Canada the way it is now, a free-loving can- country that you know that people can go to and be protected in. That's all that he wanted. That's all he need. That's all he wanted to do, and people take it way out of criticism and way out of left field and categorize it as you people, meaning. The illegal immigrants and immigrants that just don't care about Canada. That's how he took it as. And people are all offended over it. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I really do. I stand with Don Cherry. I love Don. I've always loved Don. Don has some comments. I have met in the past that he has had some comments that have been a, a little bit of a head scratcher. But. The way that it all goes down and has him fired from Hockey Night in Canada is absolutely ridiculous. If anybody should be ashamed, it should be the shameful people that do not respect the veterans. It really is. You can't brush away a veteran. And like Don said in the the piece, he's from Mississauga. He's from a small town. There are plenty of small towns in Canada that support the veterans. But you go, like he said, you go into downtown Toronto... You don't see anybody wearing a poppy because, you know, there's not that many people that, that are there, that are supportive of the military. And yes, you could say that I, you know, I, like I said, I am fully supportive of our United States military. I love every single one of them, from the Marines, to the Air Force, to the Army, to the Coast Guard, every one of them that make our country great. And in Canada, it's the Royal Canadian Army, and all of them, I support them. So all you have to do is, you know, support the army. And Don, that's all Don was asking for. And you blew it as, well, immigrants are this, this, and this, and this, this, and this. And the Canadian culture is being shaken up because of it. Now, bear in mind, I, I do want to make mention of this, and I don't like talking about politics on this podcast. If you want politic talk, you can go listen to, to Rush Limbaugh, or Bill O'Reilly, or Glenn Beck, or whatever you want to listen to. This is a sports podcast. But what about a guy who's your prime minister that's dressed up as in, an Indian and in college, and he gets... Just a slap on the wrist. You know, it's alright because he's the Prime Minister. I mean, I like Justin Trudeau. He's a good guy and everything like that. But Don's an institution. And to see all these people go after him and blow him up just because he wants to support the veterans is... is Part of my language is absolute bullshit. It really is. I support Don. I care about Don. And I wish... I hope Don gets back on the air somewhere some way. And that's my Andy rants on Don Cherry because Don has done so much for the game of hockey in my life. Cuz it's not Saturday night without watching Coach's Corner in my opinion because I want to hear his thoughts on on the daily on on, on the game. And the fact that Don is being criticized for because because he took the, because of the comment that he made about immigrants in Canada it's being blown out of proportion because they won't wear a poppy but they love the way of Canada is you know is a little bit ridiculous people are blowing it way out of proportion and with that in mind like i said my generation is soft it is it really is, and I hate to say that. We are soft. We care about a- anything that offends us, offends us. I mean, look at it this way. I will say this. Uh, Kelly Clarkson and John Legend just released re-released a song, uh, Baby, It's Cold Outside, with the moment of Me Too movement. First and foremost, you don't ruin a good Christmas song like Baby, It's Cold Outside. You know, you could tweak it here and there. That's fine, but to have it fully rewrited for the Me Too movement is—here's an idea: if you feel offensive of that song, turn it off, go to the next station, and then when the song is done, just turn it back on. There's no need to be offense be fenced by it. It's just plain and simple. the same way with Don. You take Don's comments and you brush them off. If you have a if Sportsnet wanted to do it, they should have put a, a warning sign before the comments. Cuz then you wouldn't know that, you know, Sportsnet does not represent Don Cherry and his comments on Coach's Corner. We hear that all the time on like radio shows. You know, the following is a presentation of W from WCWA, it does not represent this, that, and the other. Just filling out a station there. And the the views and those, like we used to do this on Mixcloud. And before I did this podcast, we would have to put a warning sign out there beforehand. We don't do that now because we try to be. You know. Even out. And everything, and I tried to also. Try to be more clean and cl- color not colorful, but clean with my language. But Don being fired was is an absolute joke. An absolute joke. And the whole, let's rewrite, baby, it's cold outside. That tells you that this generation is soft. We don't, we get so easily offended. We are a generation, and I have to say it, we are a generation that wants everything handed to us. But for me, I've always been told if you want something, you have to earn it. I was never, I was only given one thing in my life. I was given a car, but that was a great gift from my parents. I didn't earn, I earned every money that I have from working in fast food to working in retail to doing this podcast. I am standing for what my principles are. You have to earn before you can learn. And you learn that you have to earn money to be respected. It's never given to you. People nowadays think that everything should be handed to them. On a silver platter. On a gold platter. On whatever platter you get. You have to earn everything. It is never given. It is earned. So Don earned my respect by standing up for the veterans and has earned, my respect, has earned my respect for the longest period of time because he has been the person to stand up for everything that he believes in. And I think it's wrong that Sportsnet fired him. And I stand with Don Cherry. And this podcast stands with Don Cherry. And I love you guys. If I get criticized for this, I get cr- And that's going to wrap it up for all Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network. We'll be back next week to recap the Bowling Green Ohio game as well as all the other college football games including Michigan State's game against, against Michigan, Ohio State versus Rutgers. We'll also talk about the Lions game against Dallas as well as the Browns' big game tonight against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm Andy Elford and like I say, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams. Go Jackets! Go Walleye! Go Clones! And go State! Michigan and Ohio State. But most of all... Go Falcons! Beat Ohio! And go Falcons on the basketball court! Victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys next week for another edition of All Andy Alfred. Love you. Talk to you then. Follow Andy on Twitter. It is at allandyalfred. It is at allandyalfred, and on Facebook.com allandyalfred. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network, powered by Anchor.